Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion. And this is going to be the first of a small mini series, if you like, heading into the 2024 season where I thought it might be fun to talk about some of the prospective challengers to the Red Bull team in 2024. I know a lot of you that are listening to this show are going to be hoping that Red Bull get some serious competition, or at least more competition than they did last season. So in this little mini-series, I'm going to cover the four teams in particular that are going to be challenging Red Bull, or at least likely to, based on what we saw from 2023. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing primarily on the McLaren team. And of course, that includes how they did last year, what they've got cooking for 2024, and of course, the dynamic between their two drivers. And I couldn't think of anyone better to join me on this episode than a returning guest on this show. You will probably recognize him as an F1 journalist, but also an author and most importantly, a podcaster for Inside the Piranha Club. Definitely recommend you guys check that out. Some really good content on there. And I'm sure my guest has got plenty more cooking for 2024. We've got Ben Hunt joining us once again. Ben, First of all, thanks for coming back on the show. Happy New Year to you. Happy How New Year. Doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. I'm glad you didn't say troublemaker. Um, troublemaker <laughs> well, that's all subjective, those. Ben. I don't certainly <laughs> think you're a troublemaker, but uh, if others do, then that's their opinion. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's all good. Um, yes, got plenty coming up um, for 2024. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I think uh, the way that last season ended, uh, a lot of people were sort of looking back thinking, you know, what's going to happen? Is Max going to run away with it? But of course, that's not what we're hoping for. We'd like to see a bit more of a challenge. Um, and I think that's probably what we're going to get. Absolutely. And of course, uh, yeah, sorry for the headphone warning there for anyone hearing that bit. I'll try to edit that out if I haven't already. But um, yes, as you rightly pointed out, um, you know, plenty to look forward to in 2024. Hopefully it will be more competitive 
than what we saw in 2023, uh, but with a big focus on McLaren. And before we get going into this particular episode, Ben, obviously we've got to talk about your most recent book, a biography about Lando Norris. I've obviously I'd love to have read it because um, it would have been a great read. However, as you pointed out to me, it's been sold out for a little while since it re- was published in August. I've been listening to it on Audible, and you can get that if you want to listen in, guys. It is available on Audible and via Amazon, so definitely check that out if you haven't already. But um, obviously, what have you made of uh, the book so far? Are you happy with uh, how yeah. it's been received? Yeah, absolutely. I think the feedback's been very good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased you're seeing it, you know, all the, all the first copies go. Um, they are printing some more, so hopefully... In the not too distant future, they'll be restocked. Um, Amazon, Waterstones, usual places where you can buy books. Um, but as you mentioned, the audio version is there should you wish to listen. But um, yeah, it was good fun. I've known Lando now for a few years, and it was quite a good topic to to get stuck in on. Um, and, and it's been sort of a privilege w- watching his career um, go through the gears and go from sort of a young, you know, inexperienced racer in Formula One to you know, as we're, as we're talking about now, potential challenges to world championships and fingers crossed for them that it happens next year. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this before we started recording, but I think one part of the biography that I really enjoyed listening to in particular was the level of work ethic that Lando had been, you know, contributing at such a young age, which helped his meteoric rise into Formula One. And I think when you listen to it, or if you read it, if you're able to, you kind of get an understanding as to why Lando is so highly regarded, not only by everyone around him, but in particular his team and mm. by anybody that knows a thing or two about Formula One. Yeah, I mean, he's <clears throat> he's been very fortunate, excuse me, um, to have a, a good team around him um, who have prepared him in the right way. Um, I think that when he's finished a season, he's always looked to um, get a taste of the next level that he's gone to. So he's always done a, a couple of races at the end of of you know, that championship year, just so he's not coming in totally cold. And it's been, you know, quite interesting delving into that relationship that he's got with his team and the organisation that's there. Not to mention the hard work that he's put in as well, just to be prepped for the next year. And it probably accounts to why he's always hit the ground running. Um, you know, even when he came into Formula One, he, you know, he, he hit the ground running. And, and it's been good to see. I think the the sad thing is from the book, and I'm not, not giving anything away here, is that we finished the... Um, you know, the final chapter is talking about, you know, how far can he go and, you know, will he get his first win at McLaren? Of course, you know, I, f- I finished that book around this time last year. So nothing's changed. And I think that that is, for me, the one thing that does need to change. He needs to get that win under his belt. And I think that then he'll get a couple of more. Um, it's been great to see his progress, though. I've really enjoyed watching it. As have I. And hopefully... Likewise, I hope there are many plentiful, successful chapters to be written in the Lando Norris story. And of course, as you rightly pointed out, the first step in that is to get his first win in Formula One. But I'm sure it's not too far away. Hopefully it's not. But um, but of course, you know, that I really enjoyed it. I hope other people that are interested definitely check it out. Of course, I'll make sure to leave the links in the show notes or the description for those that are interested. Um, Ben, before we head into the topic, is there anything else you've got cooking in the works for 2024? Um, I've finished a Red Bull book, which will be coming out um, around uh, April, May, which uh, is a, a 20th anniversary book, uh, looking back at their previous 19 years in Formula One and the success. Lots of content in that, lots of interviews, former drivers, current drivers, talking a lot to Christian Horner. It's been a really fun project to do over the winter, actually, getting stuck into 
you know, the team's ups and downs. Um, you know, it, they've achieved quite a lot in quite a small space of time. When you think about it, they're only one win away as it stands from equaling Williams's record in Formula One. So it tells you about how far they've come from a, a small outfit in Milton Keynes to multiple world champions. It really does. And sky's the limit for how far they can go. They have really played a big part in revolutionising what Formula One is today. And uh, I'm sure many people that are nostalgic, a bit like myself, will be a little bit disheartened to hear that. But you certainly can't (laughs) deny the success of the Red Bull team. It really does paint a picture as to how far they have come from their humble beginnings back in 2005, of course. But, you know, appropriately, we should move on to McLaren. Now, Ben, 2023 was very much a contrasting season for McLaren. Now, of course, they were very open at the start or even before the 2023 campaign begun that they were going to require some patience. Things over the winter hadn't gone according to plan. Andrea Stella famously said at the team launch that they were going to be on the back foot and revising what they had produced already for 2023. And that put a lot of pressure on the team. But then fast forward to Baku and then, of course, Austria, Singapore, Silverstone as well. They brought significant updates to try and change the concept of this car to make it much more competitive. And I think it's fair to say, Ben, that I I don't know about you, but I would probably go on record in saying I've not quite seen a turnaround in season from a single team in any F1 season like what we saw with McLaren in 2023. It was remarkable. Yeah, I think it probably was the turnaround, really, that um, we haven't seen before in Formula One. I can't remember the statistics, but I remember seeing a graphic at the time, you know, like a before um, Belgium Grand Prix, let's say, and then a post Belgium Grand Prix. um, And just watching the turnaround from that moment onwards has been phenomenal. Um, Just going back to your point about, yeah, the brutal honesty at the start. um, I remember being in the press conference when they were talking about it and saying, look, we're not ready. And I thought, oh, crikey, because this is obviously a time where, you know, McLaren were having a bit of a difficult time. Um, Zach Brown was coming under a little bit of pressure. And they were saying, look, we're not ready for the start of the season. It's going to be a little while yet before we're competitive. And I thought, crikey, you know, that's a real big message to put out this year. Even if you, you know, I'm kind of used to, let's say, teams being economical with the truth and saying, don't worry, we'll be there, thereabouts. But of course, they said the opposite. You know, they were brutally honest. And I thought, wow, okay, fair enough. Um, It could be a tricky year for McLaren. But of course, lo and behold, watching the turnaround has been phenomenal. They obviously knew that there was stuff in the pipeline. Obviously, a lot of faith in um, in Stella and and obviously taking over uh, and leading that team forward. Um, And it's been good to see. You know, we caught up with Zach Brown in Abu Dhabi at the final race and it was night and day difference between the start of the year and, and talking to him then, where it was a lot more relaxed. Um, obviously pleased that it's all come off. But of course, it means that they finish the season with such a high reputation um, that people start, you know, you mentioned it before, but people start talking about McLaren as being the potential team to take it to, to Red Bull. And that is such a, a huge thing to say, um, given the fact that the success that McLaren, uh, sorry, the success that Red Bull had last year um, it, it's an incredible statement in itself. Um, but of course, yeah, of all the teams, I think that they are probably best placed. Um, I think that, you know, we'll probably come into this, but uh, Mercedes have struggled, Ferrari blow hot and cold. Whereas I think the consistency and the morale within the McLaren camp, plus the two drivers that we'll mention, no doubt in a minute, is really driving that team on. And, and it's an exciting prospect. 
It very much is. And I think the word that we should really hone in on is consistency that you've already mentioned. And it's so important, I think, in this modern age of F1 that you do need to find that consistency, regardless of how good your car is when it's performing at its absolute best. You really need to be consistent. Max Verstappen earmarked this in particular Mm -hmm. when he was reflecting on the season, hence why he potentially uh, singled out McLaren as their potentially biggest challenger heading into Mm -hmm. 2024. So even the three-time world champion himself, who seems unbeatable at the moment in the machinery that he's in, and of course the level that he's driving, still considers McLaren to be a big threat. It certainly says a lot about them. Um, But of course, you know, when it comes to consistency, I think one thing that McLaren in particular have highlighted that has been an issue with the 2023 car, and even before that, is the lack of drivability about it. In your mind, is that potentially the most important thing McLaren needs to rectify more than adding more downforce to the car, for example, to find more speed? Is drivability the most important thing that McLaren need to get right if they're going to challenge in 2024? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's where the changes were made, you know, over the last two years, because that, that car has been tricky at times, um, you know, thinking about porpoising and, you know, everything, that, the hangover from, from, from that year coming into last year, on a, on a bit of a, a downer, um, but they did sort it out. And, and that's done with two very young drivers as well. Okay, Lando's got a bit of experience now. But Oscar Piastri, who had been out of, of racing for, for a year, um, was still able to, to help out in developing that car and, and make it more drivable, more consistent. Um, and it was just quick out the box. Every single track we went to, it was competitive. Um, this is in the second half of the season, obviously. And that's down to two things. It's obviously a technical team, but it's also the driver-led as well. And I think we talk about, you know, being impressed by bits and pieces, you know, that, that drivers are able to do in races, but it's the feedback which they provide in the practice sessions, um, which really does help a team. And I think that has been key for them this, uh, this year. Listen to me, last year. Do you I think, think that's been the key. Yeah, do you think that's something that's underrated when we talk about McLaren's drivers? Because in the past, McLaren have had some very capable drivers. They've had Fernando Alonso since 2017, mm. of course, when uh, obviously these new, well, not newest rules in, but obviously the change in aero came in and McLaren started to go on a bit of a downfall. But Fernando Alonso, Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz, Stoffel van Dorn, a very capable driver who probably never really got the fairest crack at Formula One, and mm-hmm. but he's been successful elsewhere. So, you know, good for him. Um, those are some big names that... Yeah have been at McLaren, okay, with the exception of signs, not really lived up to what the expectation was. But then you look at Norris and Piastri by uh, comparison, and if you were to ask me on the surface of all those drivers who I thought would be the least likely to give the feedback, based on what we've seen, you'd probably say along the lines of Norris and Piastri, or maybe more Piastri than Norris. So do you think they're quite underrated in terms of the level of feedback they provide? Yeah, I do. And I think it is a team effort and and working together. you mentioned, uh, we both mentioned earlier on the fact that they did come out and say, um, you know, uh, the car's not going to be quick from the start. Possibly a way of looking at that is taking the pressure off the drivers. Um, maybe that was the master stroke in all of this by the team bearing the brunt and saying, look, it's our fault the car's not going to be quick at the start of the year. It allows both drivers to get up to speed and, and figure things out. The, the pressure's not going to be on them, it's going to be on the team. So, Maybe that was one aspect, um, perhaps that we overlooked the fact that, that you know the focus was on Zach Brown uh, uh, rather than his two drivers. But of course, it's now worked the other way around. You know, the focus is now very much on the drivers. But I, I do believe that they're the ones that leaving it leaving it forward. And what part do you think Andrea Stella 
plays in all of this because this is a guy who has a history of being successful he knows how to win races he knows how to win world championships he was a big part of ferrari's last yeah. world championship winning team do you think he's the right man to take them forward yeah i, I believe so um i didn't i'll be honest i didn't know if he would be the right man to, to go forward um i was quite impressed with Sadal before and i thought that he was you know a very good manager um you know his commitment though was 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 different uh you know he had family in germany and i think that he was spending fewer and fewer days at, at, at woking and maybe obviously once he had his head turned and, and was thinking about the the salva project um that he's now working on maybe that just fizzled out but i've got to say that, that under the new management structure um mclaren seemed to be reinvigorated and i think that's probably the key word there's a motivation within the organization that they're making progress they haven't spent huge sums of money like some of the others have um but, that, but there's a, a an enthusiasm now within mclaren um you know a, a, a fight to go and get that that win um i know they've had one with, with daniel but to, to get another win uh you know in the modern era i think that that's that's now there with them they've got that in their bellies and and that is for me an exciting prospect for this coming year Absolutely. And, you know, the changes in the concept were quite paramount to that. And, you know, I've cited this a lot and I've heard a lot of people talk about this when talking about 2023. But I think the key differentiator between what McLaren were and where they are now is the fact that they had a very polar opposite season to Aston Martin. Now, mm -hmm. not taking anything away from what Aston Martin achieved, because they were very good when, it's, when it comes to producing a car that's quick out of the blocks. Something McLaren still need to be able to do. I think they've always been a team that's developed a car better than they've, you know, in season than in the winter break. And because of that, that for me is a big indicator of which direction McLaren are heading in. I would rather be a McLaren, for example, than Aston Martin for that reason. Um, but of course, you know, they do have to develop something that's quick out of the blocks. And that's going to be very key. Andrea Stella was very cautious about mm. setting expectations on that. Um, he was more interested in, you know, going with the data, setting the targets, and then we'll see where we are after that. Zach Brown has often said a lot about this. How confident are you, Ben? that 2024 could finally be the season where we could see a fast McLaren from day one and maybe this being a great platform for them to go on to have a very good 2024? Well, all the me mechanics are all in the right place. Um, and I don't mean the physical mechanics. I mean, I, I mean the mechanisms within the organisation. I think that um, finishing the season so strongly as they did, there's no real massive rule change. So I think that, you know, inherently that gap between Red Bull and McLaren will close up. Um, the big question is, of course, we, and we won't know until testing, um, just how much progress they have made over the winter because no one stands still. Everyone makes improvements. Um, I just think that maybe this is the year that, yes, they, they, they finally get it together and, and come out with better expectations than obviously what they had last year. And I think that if they can be in the mix come the first couple of races, then I think it does bode well for the rest of the year and, and the development of... Um, progress. Um, I think that, that that's where they've shown their strengths, as you mentioned before. Um, traditionally, they always improve over the course of the season. They don't usually go backwards, which is obviously the case with Aston Martin. So, um, yeah, I think it's all eyes really on, on testing. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that car unveiled, probably more so than any other, really, just to see what's coming over from last year and whether they have tried anything new.
No, absolutely agree. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that even though at times they had the second fastest car, I think Japan and in particular Qatar were prime examples of how far McLaren had come. Mm. I think it's also fair to say that towards the back end of 2024, uh, 2023, I should say, when they struggled a little bit towards the end of the season, you could make an argument that Mercedes and Ferrari were still trying to optimize what they had. Aston Martin were experimenting and managed to come across something that helped them a lot towards the earlier parts of the season where they were able to revitalize that. McLaren did teeter back to four fastest, but I think the focus was at that point purely on maximizing what they were going to produce in 2024. Do you share any concerns with some people that might suggest that they may have regressed just a little bit before the end of the season? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, I don't think that that was the feeling that I got from, from working with the team. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I agree no. with that. No, it's fair enough because I think a lot of people would make that point because mm. you know we know about Ferrari, we know about Mercedes, we know resource-wise they have everything they could possibly want to try and turn their misfortunes into a championship challenge over the course of a winter. For reference, despite being a Ferrari fan, I do feel Mercedes are more capable than the Scuderia, unfortunately, of doing that. But you know, the old narrative remains. But when it comes to McLaren, and this was something that I actually uh, incorrectly put put out in the last episode, and I'm glad my guest actually corrected me on this one. Um, they have got the new wind tunnel online. The new state-of-the-art simulator is very yeah. much broken in now at Woking. So for all those reasons, in addition to the new technical structure where we have Rob Marshall and David Sanchez of Red Bull and Ferrari, respectively, big names coming from those teams that know how to win. I mean, this there aren't many reasons why we shouldn't be excited about McLaren. They seem to have all the pieces they need now. It's just yeah. a case of getting it all together and producing something that can relive the glory days of McLaren in their peak not too long ago. Yeah, this is this is it. This is what I'm saying. You know, getting all the bit, bits in the right place. Um, I think that they're, they're a very strong outfit now. Um, I think, you know, the harmony between the two drivers is important as well. And I, I just think that uh, everything's all in, in the right place for them to have a good year. And, as I say, all eyes really on, on once that car comes out and just really curious just to have a bit of a, a poke around and see, just see what's left over from last year, what's new, how is it going to work, and just see the overall pecking order. We won't know it until qualifying in Bahrain, um, but just to see how quick they are. But it does seem like an eternity since they've come out of the blocks flying. Um, you know, the number of times I've spoken to, to Lando in those first couple of races, and he's just have been so deflated it would be nice to have a a positive lando that's looking forward to, to to winning races and fighting for for wins rather than fighting for points i mean it's been such a long time for mclaren fans i mean the last time i can think of the time when mclaren came out of the blocks flying you probably have to go back as far as 2007 when lewis hamilton first started out yeah Maybe. kevin magnuson got a uh, podium didn't he when he filled in um 2013 2014 yeah yeah around that time but of course that that proved to be a bit of a false dawn didn't it that season yeah but no you're right to point that out um so it's it's long overdue i suppose mm. the point is for mclaren it's something they really need to get on top of um it, i mean if we've been singing their praises now and i do think for a fair assessment we do have to look at things they do need to focus and improve on we mentioned the drivability which i think is a key area and of course mclaren have been very open to admit that Norris in particular has mentioned that the car was often like a knife edge to, to drive on in terms of balance although he has that natural feel to drive around it better than others so you know that's one thing but is there anything in particular as a characteristic of the car that you would like to see them improve for next season um no, not not especially I think reliability was good 
Um, generally, it was pretty good on most tracks, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it excelled in the high speed corners. It was. Yeah. I always felt it was a bit sluggish at the slower speed corners. Possibly. If if I was nitpicking at something. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. And I'm just thinking operationally as well. Pit stops were always quite good. Um, they have the world record now, don't they? They did yeah. that last season. So yeah. uh, take that Red Bull. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it's difficult to pick a a weakness, is it really? Isn't it? And um, yeah, you mentioned we have been singing their praises, but there must be one. Um, I guess. It's, well, how about the driver dynamic? Because yeah, I guess this is what I was just going to lean on is the fact mm. that um, you know you 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 have a what was looked like an obvious number one and number two, but um, there's a convergence, isn't there? And of course. I think people were expecting big things from Oscar, but did we expect as much as what we got? Probably not. You know, he was the, the standout performer, um, you know, rookie-wise, clearly, um, last season. And, and, I, and I just thought that some of his drives were really mature. You know, there was no racing into things and making silly mistakes. It was all very measured. Um, and I think that if he carries at that sort of rate, then there will be a bit of a an issue for Lando looking over his shoulder thinking, hang on a minute, this guy's, you know, this guy's pretty good. Um, you know, and I think if he were, I know we've had the sprint win, but if we, if he starts winning races ahead of Lando, then that's the only potential threat to the dynamic. Um, and Lando being a bit upset in that respect, but, um, you know, at the moment that's not happened. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I think it's a good segue into this discussion because I think if there is anywhere at McLaren where this could cause problems for the team, it's certainly in the driver department more than anywhere else right now. Now, looking at Piastri and Norris's 2023 campaigns, there was a lot to boast about, as you pointed out, uh, seven podiums for the team, which was amazing because they contributed to a record season where I think five teams have got at least seven podiums, which... I don't, you know, people say it was a one-team season, but there was a yeah. lot going on behind that. So that's always a positive. But if you look at the stats between the two, Ben, it's very easy to see without context that this was very much a clear number one and a clear number two in terms mm-hmm. of Lando having the better of Oscar Piastri for the majority of the season. But yeah. when you look at the detail and you look with your eyes at what we were seeing, it wasn't quite as clear-cut as that, right. especially in qualifying trim. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I think the... The assumption was that Lando was going to blow him away, and he clearly didn't do that. Um, you know, and I, 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 as I say, I just think that the performances were really measured um, uh, from from Oscar. I think that was for me the biggest takeaway. Um, you know, he was almost cross-like in the sense of waiting for his moment. There was there was just nothing rash. It was just all so measured and calculated, um, and, and that's what really impressed me. You know, there was there was yeah. not one moment. I don't think there was any frustration or radio calls, which I thought, you know, we hear the radio a, a lot, don't we, nowadays? But um, there was not really one moment where he's flared up and pushed back. I think that he's, you know, he's understood the, the relationship that he's got, the position that he's got in the team, very much under the radar. But then, of course, the performances have started to pop him up. And I think that, if I was a rival team boss, you know, people were always talking about, you know, will will Lando go to Red Bull or will he go to Mercedes or will he go to Ferrari? I think if I was a rival team boss, I'd probably be looking at Oscar as well because, you know, from what I've seen, he's he's in that same mould. He's, you know, just as good, um, you know, based, based on the limited time that we've seen him on track. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, following his junior career, I was incredibly impressed by his F2 campaign. And, and this was at a time with Piastri where a lot more people were probably focusing in on someone like Teo Porcher, for example, mm -hmm. when they raced mm -hmm. together. But of course, Oscar showed that he was in a completely different class yeah. uh, at that point in time. And he's obviously now one of the hottest prospects in Formula One. In terms of, you know, what he was able to achieve last season, you know, I agree with a lot that you've had to say about Oscar Piastri in terms of how he's performed last season. More importantly, how he's been able to handle difficult weekends because he had a few of those and he took those on the chin. He was able to learn very well. He was very open and honest, which mm. I'm sure you would know and admit that not many F1 drivers are quite happy to do that in their more difficult days. Um, so that was rather refreshing. McLaren seemed to feel that way as well. Hence why they backed him with a very long-term contract up to the end of 2026, I believe. And that's significant because that suggests to me that they are definitely putting some eggs in the Piastri basket. This is no longer a Lando Norris only team. Agree, and yeah. for me, that contributes to the ever-growing dynamic where this could get quite spicy between the two. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a long history between sort of Lando and, um, and Zach Brown and, and obviously they're very close. Um but of course, yeah, you mentioned that. And there was a few moments last year where I remember thinking the same sort of thing. Um, all of a sudden, you know, Lando might not be getting it his own way. Um, you know, and they have to acknowledge they've got two very talented drivers, rightly so. And, you know, giving praise to the one that's performing well. And if one's not doing so well, then perhaps he needs a little bit of a word. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably, probably right. Um, I think the other aspect of it as well is is Lando himself as well and how he handles himself. Uh, you know, he, he's a very different person now from when he first came through. You know, I'm not saying he's, he's, he's doing things too differently, but he is, he is different. He's growing up. He's, he's, he's you know, doing... This, is, this sounds disparaging, but he's doing things in his private life, which, you know, he's well really entitled to do. But I think that maybe McCarran may be looking at that and thinking... Hang on a minute. Um, you know, he's he's now doing this. He's doing that. You know, maybe we're a bit worried about this. Um, I certainly don't have any worries. I think that he's got his head screwed on, and the people around him are sort of looking after him um, in in the right place. But of course, the other aspect is, is is Oscar's very different in that respect. You know, Lando's living his life and doing everything a young man would, whereas Oscar's very much nailed on just 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 a racing driver. There's not too much. Um, that he does in his in his social life, his private life, you know, he he just knuckles down. He just trains, races, trains, races. That's the only thing that that I can possibly look at um, in terms of that driver pairing. Lando being slightly older, um, you know, maybe maybe that may affect things. Um, I hope it doesn't, and I don't think it will. Um, but it's just one thing just to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I remember when Jensen moved to Monaco for the first time and. There was accusations that he wasn't taking it as serious. And I, I don't think that, that Lando will fall into that trap. I think that he'll still be nailed on and, and, and knuckled down. But it's just obviously something just to be mindful of. Well, anyone who's listened to or read your book, Ben, will most certainly agree with that point. And, um, and, and, and I do too, because there are certain hallmarks between the two drivers that are very much... Uh, present in this you know the, the work ethic the fact that you know even though on the surface it might seem that they're not giving 110 percent, it couldn't be further from the truth they really Correct. are now don got their head screwed on right and and that's encouraging for mclaren as well but of course it does also add to this potential dynamic between the two where 
we do find ourselves in a position now, Ben, where in the past, Lando may, you know, you may be forgiven for thinking he was a bit comfortable at McLaren. Yeah. And, and, and we've seen this with drivers in the past. We saw Sebastian Vettel was quite comfortable at Ferrari until they brought Charles Leclerc in. And then it became quite evident that Charles Leclerc was the future of the team rather than Seb. You could argue at Mercedes, the same thing happened with Hamilton and Russell a little bit when Hamilton got comfortable with Bottas. Okay, Russell was not taken over the team yet, but the signs are there that George is trying to make that happen. It does feel like that this could be the McLaren version of this, but perhaps the yeah. difference between the two is Norris has not had his career yet. He's not living on uh, the coattails of what he achieved many years before. He is still very much building his own story. So McLaren may have been able to manufacture the right dynamic between two very highly potential drivers. And at the very least, they're covered if one of them d does decide to move on in that regard. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly, yeah, that's the point. You know, the public perception of someone not knuckling down or is he knuckling, is he trying as hard? You know, that, that for me is the, the important thing. And, and that's, once that starts, if it was to start, that can derail a driver and upset a driver. And I think that's the important thing that, you know, the relationships that we're, we're going to focus on just to see how um, public perception is um, and the relationship within the team, because I don't think that that's going to happen. It just depends on what, what other people make of the situation. If he doesn't start getting results going his way and the other one starts winning, you know, will there be, oh, you know, the stories about, oh, don't worry, Lando just wants to go to Red Bull or he wants to go to Aston Martin or whatever team. I think that's the interesting thing, the, the, the dynamic uh, that, that could pop up from that. Do you think Lando's potential future at this point in time could play a factor in this particular dynamic? Because... His contract is up to the end of 2025. Mm -hmm. We, I mean, you've mentioned it in your book, of course, that ever since Lando came into Formula 1, and even before that, Red Bull have had their eye on him. Yeah. Via Toro Rosso, of course, when yeah. he was in F2, they wanted him there. McLaren were very quick to shut that out. And now we fast forward to the dream lineup at Red Bull. Max Verstappen and one of his best friends, Lando Norris. You know, a potential mm -hmm. Hamilton-Rosberg moment mm -hmm. at Red Bull, for example. I'm sure any F1 fan would love to see unless, of course, you support McLaren, that is. Um, is that potentially a factor as well? The fact that McLaren may not feel 100% certain that Lando is committed to this new McLaren project for the long term? I think he, he is committed. That's why he signed that, that deal. Um, I think a lot depends on this year, because the target was that once the wind tunnel came online, that McLaren would be able to deliver him a car that's capable of fighting for wins. If that is the case, then I don't see why he would want to go anywhere else because potentially that's only going to improve um, with the infrastructure that we mentioned before around him. Um, I think if they were to have a slow start um, and or Oscar getting the better of him, then that could potentially come into play as a, as a, certainly as a story, um, you know, that, that bubbles around the team. Um, you know, maybe he is being looked at or, or, touted as a replacement for, you know, Sergio Perez or, or maybe Fernando Alonso or whoever. Um, I think that that for me is, is one dynamic which is going to be interesting next year just to see how that pans out. It's impossible to say now how it is. I think it will be a narrative that picks up over the first couple of races just depending on how well McLaren do. Absolutely. And of course, you know, if it becomes a potential success or a hindrance in terms of McLaren's potential chances of winning races, or even if we can dare to dream challenge for a world championship, it's certainly going to fill a few column spaces and 
podcaster notes as well. Uh, so it's certainly be one to look out for. In terms of handling this potential uh, dynamic or narrative, if you like, between Piastri and Norris, which I'm sure will go through an evolution this season, how capable do you think Andrea Steller is of keeping uh, tempers at bay and making sure that both drivers are playing the team game? Because we saw quite a bit of it last season. We saw, mm. in particular, Piastri have to play the team game on a team orders. Then, of course, we saw Lando having to do it in Qatar when Piastri was in the ascendancy. So we know that there are no favourites in that yeah. regard. We know that for sure. sure. But I do feel that it was quite easy for McLaren to manage that in 2023 because yeah. Piastri lacked the experience that Lando has. He lacked the tyre management and also the race pace that Lando seemed to have over him in terms of an advantage. If Piastri is able to improve on that as he gets more experience, and I'm sure we expect him to do so, how capable is Andrea Stella of managing that evolution of that dynamic? Yeah, we won't know until it happens. Um, you know, I'd like to say that he's fine. Um, and I think that the situation is, is clear as it stands at the moment. But we, we just won't know until we get to that moment in time. Um, again, it's, it's another exciting prospect that potentially pops up, you know, later next year or this year, even indeed. Um, we just have to see how it goes. But, uh, you know, I'm confident in, in him making the right decisions for the team and leading that team forward as he has done already through a sticky patch. Um, but with regards to that dynamic, if indeed it does change, we'll just have to see how that, that, that is managed. Yeah, it's, it's going to be something new for both drivers as well. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that inter-team rivalry develops throughout 2024 and beyond that, of course, because they're both signed up for the medium term, at least. Um, so, yeah, it will be very, very interesting. In terms of a prediction, before mm -hmm. we wrap this up, Ben, I know it's a bit early. We haven't seen the new cars quite yet. We haven't seen any testing or whatsoever. But based on what we've seen from McLaren and what we've been hearing in the off-season, I'm sure you've heard quite a bit more than I have in that regard. Is 2024 the year that Lando Norris finally gets his first F1 win? Yeah, I think so. For me, I think so. Um, I hope so. I think that he's made steady progress over the years. I think that um, from what we saw at the end of last year, everything's you know heading in the right direction. Um, I think the biggest challenge to it is is just you know that man next to him, um, you know in the, in the other seat, as we've mentioned before. Um, I think that uh, they need to have a good start to the year, as we've discussed. And if indeed they do, then I think yeah he, he'll finally get that win. And I've got to probably write another chapter for that book. Oh, I certainly hope you do, mate. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good. I'm sure it'd be a fun chapter to write. But uh, <laughs> in terms of championship challenge, I know. We all get carried away because we're yeah. all hoping for the shiny new championship challenger to come along or at least something to challenge Red Bull and in particular Max Verstappen. How, out of 10, if, if I could ask you that, how realistic do you think it is that McLaren could produce a championship challenger for Red Bull? Um, five out of 10. Yeah, um, you know, I, about I right. think that, um, you know, Red Bull was so far ahead last year that um, you know they started working on this year's car a lot, you know, ages ago. Um, and of course that gives them a leg up over everyone else. And I think it's, it's quite difficult to see anyone else challenging um, for that, those two world championships. Um, but that said, McLaren have put them in a, themselves in a good place. Um, I, I, but I just can't see anyone else other than Max and Red Bull winning both titles next year. 
Yeah. Do you know what? Sadly, unfortunately, I agree with you on that regard. I mean, the five out of ten is certainly not a reflection on what McLaren are capable of. No, I think not it's at more all. akin to Red <clears throat> yeah. Bull have just got such an advantage. And for Red Bull to lose that advantage, they've either got to hit the ceiling of performance with this concept very early if they haven't already, or completely mm-hmm. drop the ball. Unfortunately, either of which I see actually yeah. happening in 2024. So uh, I, I, I agree with you on both parts. I think that um, you know, I think that they're going to look strong from the start. You know, Max is super confident; hasn't put a wheel wrong all year. Last year, um, again, this, uh, the only the only real weakness is the is the teammate scenario, and just seeing how that plays out over the due course of the season. Um, he didn't really need a teammate last year, did he? It was all one-way traffic. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being disparaging to, to McLaren when I say 5 out of 10. Nothing against them. It's just the ability to catch Red Bull. Um, you know, if, if you're looking further down the grid, you know, those same sort of 5 out of 10 statistic is the same for, for Ferrari and, and um, Mercedes, I'd say. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, it's probably more for different reasons rather yes, than uh, just true. Red Bull being brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, but that's been great. Obviously, Ben, thank you so much, of course, as always. Um, and, and it's great to, to see McLaren back in the picture again. I remember not too long ago uh, when Mika Hakkinen was quite bold and he said, you know, watch McLaren at Silverstone. They will be fighting for race mm. wins. We all thought, Mika, what have they served you in the bar <laughs> to come out with that prediction how wrong and how naive of us to misjudge uh, the flying fin of course he was absolutely on the money and i can't wait to hear what mika has got to say in terms of mclaren's prospects next year because i am certainly going to be paying attention to that i mean it is a team moving in the right direction and i think that that's the that's the exciting thing there is a an excitement and an exuberance um that comes with mclaren um just by nature of the, the heritage you know and the names and the building that they operate in, it would be wonderful just to see them, you know, challenging for wins. Let's not say championships, but challenging for wins. It'd be great to see. Yeah, and I think that's very much realistic for 2024. So fingers crossed for them. Hopefully that plays out. But of course, guys, as always, um, you make sure to check out Ben's great work. You can follow him on social media, Ben J Hunt on Twitter, where a lot of his work is published on there and of course don't forget to check out the inside the piranha club some great anecdotes and tales from ben and his guests from the world of formula one covered trackside i believe uh yeah from that so uh, yeah and of course don't forget to check out the books as well We've got the great one Orlando norris and i'm sure the red bull one is going to be a very good read but make sure to follow ben for all the latest updates on those as well in the meantime guys we will be back with another episode coming later this week with another great guest i won't leave too many spoilers but make sure to check that out and we of course will be covering the other three teams hoping to challenge red bull in 2024 so ben you got the fun one with mclaren i think the other (laughs) one's gonna be a little bit more uh scrutinizing i think it's fair to say yeah it's it's gonna be a tough time for for mercedes i think and uh ferrari have, have really got to come up with something haven't they they really do. I hope they do, but, uh, you know, as a Ferrari fan, it's the hope that kills you. But uh, <laughs> the less I say on that one, the better. But until then, guys, thanks, as always, for tuning in. Please stay safe. Enjoy the winter break as best as you can. And then we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care.
Social Podcast Network.